Episode 246 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by Gusto and by FreshBooks. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll, benefits, and HR to small businesses across the country. And they were even named Best Online Payroll by PC Mag. Get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. You can sign up right now to give it a try. Gusto.com slash read to lead. That's gusto.com slash read to lead. And you can also demo FreshBooks cloud accounting software free for 30 days and get access to all FreshBooks features when you go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. It's the toughest experiences in life that have really given me the most personal growth. So now, you know, from every situation that I experience, you know, I really believe that everything is happening for me. Hey there, welcome to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. I'm Jeff and believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, that intentional and consistent reading is a must. I'm going to help you narrow this reading list and bring you the key insights and valuable ideas each and every week from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors and their books. Imagine growing up being surrounded by more negative influences than you can count. Do you resign yourself to your circumstances or do you believe you have the power to change your life's trajectory? Well, today's guest is the perfect example of someone who defied the odds mostly by choosing a different story for his future. His name is Andre Valdez, and he's here today to share some of those experiences and from his new book called Leader by Choice, Seven Decisions That Spark Your Purpose, Passion, and Perseverance. If you're not happy with the cards you've been dealt, then this episode is especially for you. I'll be asking Andre to share how he went about making the decision not to be held down by his circumstances, his tips for gaining self-awareness and why that's so important, His views on a job versus a vocation and what you need to know before starting your own vocational journey and much, much more. And later on, I'll share more details on a couple of great pieces of software you can demo for free right now. Andre Valdez is an expert in turning adversity into advantage. His mission is to inspire purpose-driven leaders and organizations by empowering, equipping, and educating them on making an impact and not just an income. Uh, As a keynote speaker, his practical, authentic, and inspirational message is focused on bringing out the best in individuals and organizations through leadership. He spends the rest of his time trying to apply what he's learned about leadership with his toughest clients, his wife and daughters. His new book is called Leader by Choice, Seven Decisions That Spark Your Purpose, Passion, and Perseverance. Andre, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Jeff, I am incredibly excited to be on your show. So great to be here. Well, when someone from the outside looking in sees where you are now and all that you've accomplished, they would probably be shocked and amazed to learn of what it took to get there. And and more specifically, the circumstances you found yourself in oftentimes as, as a young man. I'm wondering if you'd be willing to, to share a bit about your upbringing and childhood and, and just some of the things you, you had to experience and go through. Sure, I'll, I'll do that. But you know, it's a little weird, Jeff, because when I, when I talk about my background, I don't want people to think that I'm dwelling on it and and that's all I focus on. But I do mention it sometimes because when you when people introduce me now, 
you know, for example, I've been a U.S. diplomat for 13 years. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. Uh, you know, I've done all, been all over the world. I've done all these things. But people don't know how you get to this point. And for me, you know, I was born in Miami, Florida. Uh, my grandparents immigrated from Cuba. My grandmother likes to say she arrived in Miami on a Saturday and was working in a factory by Monday. Mm. And my parents had me when they were in high school and, you know, it just didn't work out. And they basically dropped me off at my grandmother's doorstep. And I was raised by her and my grandfather ever since. And I kept a relationship with them, but it was, I like to say that I was in a, in a lovingly dysfunctional family situation because mm. I would see them on and off. But it was, it was kind of a, a little bit of a tough upbringing at times because we had some significant financial struggles. We lost our home on two occasions. One of them was a fire. My grandfather was inside. He burned 90% of his body. Another time we lost our home to a foreclosure. And back in, back in that, during those days when you were foreclosed, you know, the, the sheriff showed up at your house and you were out of there. There was no leniency, stay there for nine months or any of that stuff. You were out. Mm. And I'll never forget, you know, we were foreclosed and right from the doorstep of my house, I packed up the few belongings that I could take, put them in a car and went to university to take my final exams. You know, all my stuff was in the back of a car. And, you know, just growing up, there was just a lot of situations where I felt like life was just punching me in the face just over and over, you know, uh, because I didn't have any strong, you know, fatherly figure or role models in my life. You know, I, I was just headed down a really strange path. Um, unfortunately, you know, my father was was involved in, in you know, this, in the drug trade and all these types of illegal activities. Most of the men in my family were in and out of jail all the time. So that's kind of like the environment that I that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And it was it was it was weird because I was I wanted to do the right thing, but I had these all these influences. There were situations where after we lost our home and in one occasion we lived in a factory for about two years and I slept on the floor of that factory. I'll never forget it. I had a little cot and after school, you know, you go play, you know, street football with your friends and then when the lights go out, everybody goes home. And I would pretend to be going home, but I was actually going to the factory and that's where I would sleep and shower and bathe every day and then go back to school and do the same thing and nobody ever knew about it. Mm. But I wasn't sad or depressed. That's what I thought my life was supposed to be. And so I didn't really aspire to a whole lot during that time. I, you know, I didn't have any visions. I, I didn't have any dreams. I just thought that that was the lot that life had given me. And so that's kind of the, 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 the short version of the upbringing that I had. Well, in these, these seven decisions that Andre talks about, the first one is, is choosing your story. Andre, talk about how you made a decision to live a different story, to not be held back by uh, these circumstances you just described. Yeah, it wasn't one decision. One of the things that I realized is that sometimes the biggest changes in life come from tiny decisions that we make. Mm. And, you know, I'll give you an example. When I was 17 years old, I was arrested for shoplifting. When I was 17, I was a disaster. I was I was shoplifting all the time. It's a miracle that I was only caught once. And I'll never forget that the police officer who took me in before he dropped me off at the station, you know, when he looked at me, I thought, oh, you know what? When he looks at me, he sees a young black thug, no good, drop out. But he looked me in the eye and he said to me, you're a good kid. He said, you belong in school. I want you to go back and finish. And that happened like over 20 years ago. But it's interesting because I've never forgotten those words. And it's because he kind of gave me a different vision of what my life could be. Mm. And I'm eternally grateful for that because when you have the opportunity to plant that seed of a vision in someone, it's, it's really like a, a mini miracle that you put in that person's life. And so for me, one of the things that I realized from that is that I have an ability to make a decision about the direction that I want to go. Fortunately for me, I had that police officer kind of 
speak a new vision for me or a new direction. After that, I remember I started attending church and I heard the pastor say these these words. And one of them was, one day you're going to work with kings and queens and you're going to do all these things. And I didn't know what he was talking about. But again, that seed was planted in me. And that's when I started to realize that the responsibility for me to take my life in a different direction, it was based on my personal decision. But what happened was I had several opportunities for mentors and people to speak life into me that kind of woke me up. And that's when I realized that really the decision was was up to me. You know, sometimes, Jeff, I compare it to like when you were a kid, if you ever had a baseball and you ripped it open on the outside, you have the leather. And then when you peel off that leather, it's like a ball of yarn. But when you pull the strings from the yarn inside, there's like a little wooden ball inside, like a little bit bigger than a marble. And that's at the core of the baseball. And what I realized for me was that at the core of personal transformation is individual decisions. And I was able to wrap it up into kind of seven decisions that I found that, hey, this actually worked for me. And it's something that anyone can apply. So that's kind of where this came from. And it's amazing to think about, you know, what a single sentence from someone else, how powerful words can be. Andre addresses the importance of developing uh, self-awareness later in the book. What do you do, Andre, to gain more self-awareness? What are some of your practices in that regard? Yeah, I have I have a few things that I've picked up over the years. One one acronym that I have is going to war. Mm. So war, W-A-R. And the W stands for writing. You know, the writing could be journaling, blogging. But I find that the ability to get your thoughts on paper mm. gives you a clarity that you don't normally get just by speaking. So writing is something that helps bring some some additional kind of self-awareness. The other thing is asking, asking people that I know, what do you think about me? How did I do this? Just asking questions to myself, to others, to people who are close to me. It's hard because sometimes you're not going to like what people say. <laughs> But even today, I have a, I have seven direct employees and about over 100 indirect employees. And sometimes when I meet with my employees, I ask them, how am I doing as a manager? How am I doing as a leader? And it's really painful, Jeff, when they say something that I don't like. And <laughs> But I have to stay quiet and listen and take in that feedback and say, okay, it's a little bit hurtful, but they're being honest. And I want them to be honest with me because that's the information that I can use to continue developing that, that self-awareness. And then the R stands for reading. Jeff, I got to say over the past, I don't know, five, six years, I've read between one and three books a month. Mm. And I don't, I, I really don't know where I would be without reading because, you know, as someone who initially grew up without a lot of mentors and stuff like that, for me, a book is, is a mentor. So when I read, you know, John Maxwell, Michael Hyatt, or any of these guys, in my mind, I see them as personal mentors because I have their books on my shelf. And if you can get one great idea and implement it from that $20 you spent, that's a pretty good investment. Absolutely. And Jeff, I got to tell you, the last source of self-awareness for me that I didn't know, and this one comes free of charge, my spouse is always very eager to share with me areas for my personal development. <laughs> <laughs> I, I concur. I, I found that to be the case in, in my marriage as well. Well, uh, attitude is what gets the focus of, of chapter three in Andre's book. And I, I don't want to throw your grandmother under the bus here necessarily, but, yeah. but I thought the example you shared of, mm -hmm. of conversations with your grandmother and the differences in how the two of you spend your time was, was a telling yeah. illustration. I think maybe some of it is generational. Can you share a bit about that? Yeah. So first, let me say, Grandma, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> she doesn't speak English, so she won't be listening to this. 
But um, every time I call, I call her every Sunday. And when I call her, she always has a report for me from the news about the latest murder, rape, tragedy, world hunger. And, you know, I have I can't speak with her too long because sometimes it gets a little depressing because she's warning me about the dangers that are lurking behind every corner. Mm. And I have a different philosophy. You know, I, I don't want to be enslaved by the news because I find that that really has an impact on your attitude. That doesn't mean that I'm ignoring reality or anything like that, but I want to be a little bit more productive with the media that I consume. So I really limited the amount of news intake that I have just so that I can protect my attitude because I think a lot of us don't really see our attitude as an asset. But as leaders, I find that attitude is one of those things that really sets you apart from other people because when when things aren't going well, when everyone is pessimistic, when when you know when there's just uh, you know a lot of difficult things going on, it's the people with the right attitude, with the productive attitude, not just positive, but productive attitude that are the change makers, the impact makers, and those who actually move things forward. Because if your attitude is always based on the negativity and and the danger and what can go wrong, if that's the only half that you have, then it's impossible to move forward. And I'm not saying that you have to be unrealistic. Realistic thinking is is critical, but you also have to match it up with some kind of optimistic perspective and attitude. I have to admit that as recently as a few years ago, I used to think that someone who didn't spend ample time watching local and, and cable news was immature mm-hmm. and irresponsible. And I have learned mm-hmm. since then, and in fact, in, in my own life, I, I can't tell you the last time mm-hmm. I watched a, a newscast, but I am not uninformed. Uh, there is always right. someone around me, whether it's a grandmother or somebody else, to fill me mm-hmm. in on <laughs> everything I need to know or a notification on my phone. I'm not missing out by not watching the news. That's what, I, that's what I've learned. Well, I certainly wouldn't want you to miss out, and that is why I want you to know about a couple of special offers made possible because you listen to Read to Lead. If you have a business or you know someone who does, then you probably know that small business owners wear lots of hats. I certainly do. And and some of those hats are great, but some like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Now get this, Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. You might say those old-school clunky payroll providers weren't built for the way modern small businesses work, but Gusto is. Better yet, now's the best time to get set up for the new year because you can get three months free when you run your first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself if Gusto is for you. You can check that out at gusto.com slash read to lead. Be sure and use that special URL to get those three months. Gusto.com slash read to lead. And when you want to track expenses or time or invoices and all that goes with that, then a great compliment to Gusto is FreshBooks cloud accounting software. You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? FreshBooks has made my life so much easier, and coming in 2019, I will be able to say these words. I've been using FreshBooks for a decade. What I'm trying to say is if you're not already using it, you should be. And FreshBooks is making it super simple and easy to try, free for 30 days with access to all FreshBooks has to offer. 
What's that, you ask? Well, things like easy invoicing, invoice customization, the kind of insights that when you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to a lot of guessing games. There's also a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're kicking off a project, say. If waiting for client checks in the mail is slowing down your cash flow with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. Oh, and your clients will love being able to pay by credit card straight from their invoice. It's things like that that mean you get paid a lot faster. To demo FreshBooks free for 30 days, you go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead. That address again, freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Freshbooks.com slash read to lead. Well, Andre, why do you believe that things happen for us and not Mm -hmm. to us? So uh, what is it about that mindset that that drives Mm -hmm. you and and you think is important? Jeff, I, I didn't have a choice. I had to believe that because mm. when it, my, my, I think it was my sophomore year in college, my father passed away. He drowned. Mm. Uh, well, the, the, the story that we were told was that he was drowned. The story on the street was something else. Mm. Um, ten years later, my mother passed away. She, she was taking these diet pills at the time called Fenfen, and she acquired this respiratory disease that basically took her life within within a few years of her taking those pills. Mm. And I had to step back because I had some some really sad days doing those experiences, almost almost to the point of a, of a depression. And I said, well, I, I had to get to the point where I had to stop saying, why me, God? Why me? Mm. And I had to start asking, well, what is it that I can learn from these situations? And as tragic as those events are, and as much as I would never want to repeat any of that for me or for anyone, it's the toughest experiences in life that have really given me the most personal growth. So now, you know, from every situation that I experience, you know, I really believe that everything is happening for me. That doesn't mean that I just willy nilly happily accept negative things. I don't. I go through mourning. I go through periods of sadness. But it goes back to the attitude that you have. Every time I'm knocked down, I really focus on what can I learn from this situation because that makes me a more productive person. That's how I can maximize my impact when I focus on the aspects of situations that help me move forward instead of, you know, the why me, the pity parties and all that stuff. The other thing that it it helps me, Jeff, to really see myself in all situations as a victor and not a victim, Um, because I really feel that we have to be careful with environments and people and, and organizations or anything that really wants to portray you as a victim. Because whenever you're a victim, you're you're basically being conditioned for learned helplessness. And that's the position that I don't want to be in. I found it fascinating to read as you teach others. Many are surprised to learn from you that all of us are leaders. A lot of people don't see themselves that way. Talk about what you mean, Andre, when you say we have to, we're all leaders, but we have to decide to lead. I think for me, it happened because I'll give you an example. Earlier in my career, I had the idea that I would start working and then my boss would be a fantastic leader and mentor who would take me under his wings and show me the way and lead me the way and be the perfect example of the type of leader that I needed. But Jeff, nobody told me it doesn't work that way. I was like, wait a minute, this this isn't how it's supposed to be. Fortunately, it, it wasn't that type of relationship. Uh, the person over me, the position was vacant for almost a year. So I was basically left to figure things out on my own. And then over the years, one of the most powerful things that I realized is that I had to become the leader I was looking for. 
Mm. And you see, the, the, I think the issue for a lot of us is we're waiting for somebody to take the lead. But when you don't have that person, people just stop. They, they, they don't move forward. And so it was critical for me to develop that attitude of, wait a minute, I have to become the leader that's needed in this situation. I, I have a leadership course that I lecture that I give here where I live. And I, I really press on the students to be the leader that you need in that situation, because no matter where you are, no matter where you live, no matter what country you find yourself in, there is a leadership void and you have an ability to fill that void. But the first step is making a decision that you're going to do that. Someone else should not make that decision for you. I really believe that you should make that decision. And I think what happens for a lot of people is we don't make that decision for two reasons. Number one, it might be that we're a little bit scared of taking on a leadership position. And then the other one is just out of ignorance where we don't realize that we have the capability of being leaders wherever we are. But the problem that a lot of us have, Jeff, is that we're waiting for a promotion. We're waiting for an increase in salary. We're waiting for our circumstances to change before we have the confidence to become a leader. And I kind of did it the opposite way. I said, well, I'm going to start acting like a leader now and see what happens. And Jeff, I have to tell you, the transformation was so clear that even my wife could see it, that once I started acting like the leader that I wanted to be, people started treating me differently. And when people treated me differently, it reinforced this idea that I was a leader. It reminds me of that story you tell where you got some advice that when you first heard it, you were disappointed by, but years later you realized what he meant. And I think it was when you asked about how to get ahead or how to be a leader or how to be successful, I think he said, you got to look the part. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, right? You have to believe it about yourself before other people are going to believe it about you. That's right. He told me that, you know, when I asked him for professional advice, he said, look the part. And I was like, gosh, that's so shallow. You know, <laughs> I guess my khakis weren't good enough for him. I don't know. <laughs> but then when I thought deeper about it, it's not just to physically dress the part, but it's to be the part, to look the part, not just physically, but intellectually to empower yourself and to be that leader that you're trying to become. Because there's no starting point in your leadership journey. One of the philosophies that I share is that everyone has an opportunity to lead, but few people actually choose to do it. And I think where a lot of people stop is that they're not being intentional about making that decision. And the truth about leadership, Jeff, at least from my experience, is that it's not easy and it's not always fun. It really is not always fun. But what I realized is that by making that intentional decision of being a leader, I might make my situations a little bit harder right now, but in the long term, my life is much better. Mm. Well, Andre, what are your thoughts on the differences between having a vocation and a job? And, and, and I want to ask, too, sort of uh, mm-hmm. tied to that, the things you wish you'd known before you started your journey of understanding your vocation. Mm-hmm. Having a vocation for me is a little bit deeper than just a regular job. And what I mean by that is when you can connect to something that that you feel is internal, when you can connect to something that you feel will grow with you, when you can connect to something that brings you fulfillment because it's it's closely related to what you feel is something closer to, let's say, a purpose. When you connect your gifts and your talents and your skills and you find that equilibrium within all those things, you're like, hey, wait a minute, 
this is special. So for me, what happened was later on in life, I realized that I loved public speaking, which is a skill. And then I realized that I really loved encouraging and inspiring and kind of teaching people. So I was like, whoa, that's kind of like a, a passion thing that I have. And I'm scared to use the word passion. I don't like to overuse that word. But in a nutshell, what I realized, a vocation was something a little bit deeper. And it actually comes closely to the word box, which means voice, which means calling. So for me, a vocation is something that's a little bit more internal motivation, right? Because it's related to something that's like, you know what, this is this is something that I feel called to. This is something that I really feel like in, like an internal desire to do this. Why are so many people, Andre, to use your word, uh, losing in life? Yeah. And, and I have to be careful when, when I talk about this, because, you know, recently online, there's a lot of people that are saying, if you want to be a winner, you got to do this. And people who do this are losers. And I'm, I'm not really into that, mm. that, that type of um, language choice. But from a personal perspective, what I can say is that if we're not really setting goals and having aspirations, then how do you measure whether you're winning in life? Mm. And I'm not talking about material achievements or career achievements. No, to me, that's not really relevant in this discussion. To me, it's about personal fulfillment, right? So do you do you have goals for your finances, for your health, for your relationships? And are you intentionally working towards those things? Because winning and losing is not up to me or, or anyone else to decide. What measurements are you putting on yourself to decide if you're scoring points in the game of life? So I really put it back on other people and say, OK, you decide how you're going to play this game. And are you winning based on the rules that you've set? Right. And that's why having core values and priorities in life are so critical, Jeff, because if you have core values and if you know your life priorities, if you're not within those areas, then you know you have a problem versus these these artificial kind of measures of money and cars and fame and all those things. So when you have your internal goals, when you have your your priorities and you know your core values, you basically have created a system which will bring you more personal fulfillment. And I think those are the people that are winning, the people who can have more personal fulfillment. Well, Andre, our time is, is almost up. I've got a couple of questions that I want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book. Before I do that, though, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we, we know or walk away with? Don't wait for other people to lead over your life. If you have an idea, if you have a vision, if you have something that you want to do, don't wait for anyone's permission to go accomplish it. Be the leader that you're looking for. Go after it. Yes, it will be hard and you will have battles and you will have struggles. But those struggles, that's where your personal growth happens. So it's like when you watch a movie, the action hero spends 75 percent of the movie fighting and battling and doing all these things. But if it wasn't for the battles and those aspects of the film, if we took that out, there wouldn't be anything to watch. <laughs> and then he walks away and he wins the, the young lady and they're happily ever after. But it's the battles and the struggles that really make the person. Well, you said earlier that you've been reading two to three books a month for six or seven years, I think it was. So this may be a hard question to answer, but I'd like for you to think about some of those books, the ones that immediately, as you think about the books you've read the last few years, that just come to the forefront of your mind, that stick out as having had a, a big impact on you. And, and if you can, maybe even share how or why they impacted you as, as they did. That's a, that's a real tough one, Jeff, and I'm sure it's tough for you, too. Um, but um, let me say a few a few ones that came to mind quickly. The first one was uh, Man's Search for Meaning, mm. because that one really crystallized the importance of having a 
a mission and the power of controlling your attitude instead of letting your circumstances control your attitude. The next one is the magic of thinking big. Um, that just opened me up to, to, to just more creative thinking and positive thinking. Then I have um, Developing the Leader Within from John Maxwell. That was one of the first leadership books that I read. And when I kind of realized what this leadership stuff was, so that's where I started. Jeff, I want to mention one resource that's not a book, but I treat it like a book. Mm. And it's the movie Braveheart. Uh-huh. Because when I watch that movie, I watch it and I take notes as if I'm reading a book because there are some unbelievable leadership lessons in, in that story. So I will I will include Braveheart in your list if you give me permission. Uh, you have my permission. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Absolutely. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, lines from from that film. Well, as someone who's doing more and more speaking as you are, and I'm sure learning all you can to get better and better at it, what would be some of mm-hmm. your tips, Andre, for delivering an impactful and memorable talk that you'd be willing to share with others who who, who want to improve that skill as well? I get asked a lot, how do you speak that way? And how do you have the confidence to speak? And how do you do this? But what a lot of people don't know is when I was in college, I remember I took a, I think it was a communication course and we had to give a presentation. And my speech was so bad (laughs) that the the professor gave me a note that said, I didn't understand the word you said. Mm. And now I've had to give so many terrible speeches and talks that it's been in that process that I've been able to develop this as a craft, Jeff. It didn't happen by accident. So the point I'm trying to make is for people who are interested in speaking, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and stinking at it for a while. (laughs) You're not going to get up there and give a phenomenal speech your first time or your second time or your third time. If it happens, that's great. But you have to really treat this as a craft and as an art. You have to be prepared to be uncomfortable, but push through it. And when you push through it, you will get there and you will get better and better. Mm. And that leads me to the second point is as you get more comfortable, you will feel more comfortable being you when you're at the podium or when you're on stage. Uh, The most powerful speakers are the ones that are the most authentic, the ones that are really themselves. There's a lot of articles on how to be a great speaker. You have to do this, this, and this. But you'll also find people who don't do those things and are great speakers. And what I find is those are the ones who are authentic. So get comfortable being uncomfortable and get enough practice that you start to get comfortable to the point where you become authentic. And it takes time, but treat it as a craft. I can certainly attest to that. In recent months, I have challenged myself to be more vulnerable in public talks. And I have found that as I have done that, the talks that I give are far more well-received and seem to have more of an uh, of an impact, uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. In, in high school, I, got a, I had to take a speech class in high school that was required, and I got a D plus. And I had another speech class in college. I did a little better. I got a B plus, I think, in in that class. I don't think I had improved that dramatically. I think the professor just felt kind of sorry for me, but uh, I gave it my best shot. And that is something that I never imagined all those years ago, that 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 would be something that I would not only be doing more of, but actually enjoy and love. I could not stand doing it back then. Um, just was terrified. So it's it's really interesting to see that that path. Well, now that the the book is out, Andre, beyond promotion, what's what's ahead for you that that you're excited about? Well, now I'm I'm working, Jeff, on creating the audio version of this. 
Um, so that's going to be interesting. I've never made an audiobook before. Pretty soon, I'm going to get started on that. Mm. And then I have plans to line up uh, several more speaking engagements. I definitely want to do more speaking internationally, which is something that I haven't done a lot of. So I'm really excited to just to get more involved in the craft of of speaking to larger groups, but to doing it a little bit more internationally. You know, it's really fascinating, Jeff, but a lot of the ideas that we have in the U.S. about leadership and business and entrepreneurship, when you go to other countries, it's really foreign to them. It literally is foreign to them. Like <laughs> they've never heard a lot of these concepts and the way that we explain it and the way that we do it. Um, so that's just been something that um, I've been doing recently and I've just really enjoyed it. The book, again, is called Leader by Choice, Seven Decisions That Spark Your Purpose, Passion, and Perseverance. His name again, Andre Valdez. Andre, thank you so much for taking time out to be with us and sharing your experiences and your wisdom. I, I really appreciate it. Hey, Jeff, it's an honor to be here with you as a fan of your of your podcast. You know, I've heard all these amazing guests that you have on. And so it's um, a great moment for me to be here with you and, and sharing this message of leadership that we both love. I've written a blog post dedicated to this episode, including links to the resources that Andre and I discussed. You can find that post at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 246 for episode 246. Remember that software you can demo for free right now. Gusto offers modern, easy payroll benefits and HR to small businesses across the country. Go to gusto.com slash readtolead. That's gusto.com slash readtolead. And demo FreshBooks cloud accounting software free for 30 days when you visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. If you have comments or feedback about the show, you can write me directly, Jeff at read to lead podcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, remember leaders read and readers lead. 